You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'm excited. Welcome to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Now Hear This is a conversation with leaders in Indianapolis that are working to improve the lives of Hoosiers. Our goal is to empower you to join in their work and make a difference while informing you about the unseen aspects of life in Indiana. If you miss an episode, you can listen via podcast at nowhearthisindy.com. Today, I'm talking with one of my good friends, a former co-worker at the Bob and Tom Show, where we briefly worked together, uh, Eric Totterud, who is the business developer... Who- who is a business development associate at Fairbanks, which is a recovery center. Eric, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Chris. So you can find out more information about them at fairbankscd.org. But Eric, tell us, what is Fairbanks? What do you do? And what is your job there? Yeah, so Fairbanks is um, an addiction treatment facility. Um, We're on the northeast side of Indianapolis. So uh, if anyone's familiar with the Castleton area or uh, Community North, we are right next to Community North. Um, actually, this year, 2020, we're celebrating 75 years, so we're one of the oldest addiction treatment uh, centers in the country. Uh, and we offer a full continuum um, uh, service for addiction treatment, meaning um, everything from acute detox through residential, various outpatient levels of care um, down the line. Basically, we ha- if you can think of a level of, of, of treatment for substance use disorder, um, very good chance that we offer something like that uh, for both adults and adolescents. Are you comfortable sharing your story? Are you uh, willing yeah. to talk about that? Tell us a little bit about yeah, your absolutely. journey and why yeah. Fairbanks means so much to you. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, I'm actually a person in long-term recovery. Um, so I've been uh, sober for, oh, about five and a half years now. Um, and yeah, when I was about 20, what was I, 22, uh, I found myself over at uh, Laverna Lodge for men. Uh, that's the residential program up in Carmel that we have. Uh, it holds 14 men. I found myself up there um, after making some questionable decisions, uh, that landed me, um, you know, with some, some depression and, and substance use issues. Um, stayed there for four months, got a, uh, got kind of connected with the, uh, recovery community through that program and then, uh, left and went into sober living, uh, lived there and basically haven't looked back, been sober a day at a time. Um, since that that day uh so yeah so it's something that is kind of near and dear to my heart um you know and if you know i I think the big thing is if i can can do it at the age of 22 and as as in the mindset that i was in i i believe that uh that these programs can help anybody yeah and so your job there is is what you do you work with people who are going into the treatment program tell us a little bit about what you personally do at fairbanks yeah yeah so uh i work with um a bunch of different well providers uh, medical providers behavioral health providers um department of child services uh probation um some employers, uh, we work with a lot of employers. I don't do as much with the employers. Uh, 
uh, but we have people that, that do more with the employers. Um, and I'm trying to think what, uh, some attorneys, pretty much anybody who would come in contact, uh, with somebody who's struggling with substance use disorder, um, you know, and needs help, I, I reach out to them, make sure that they're aware of what programs we do offer, uh, criteria, um, and how to access these services. And I kind of create a point of contact and I'm kind of a liaison for those for those folks that need uh, that come in contact with people who need help. So So in your work and, and in the Fairbanks organization, obviously with the pandemic, um, I've heard anecdotal evidence that people are, are are struggling and having a harder time. I mean I think all of us are struggling with some level of grief and and some people are experiencing trauma at worse levels, the economy and job loss. These are very difficult things to deal with. Everybody has a lot of feelings around a lot of things. And, you know, maybe you can speak from your own personal experience, but I, I wonder what are you hearing from people who are going through the program in this time of being quarantined and locked up in your house and, and this just extra pressure. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first off, isolation is, is a huge part of, you know, addiction and, and substance use disorder. Um, oftentimes, uh, so when you, if you talk about relapse, you know, you're talking about, not just the like the the actual use of that substance is is kind of the end point. People think of that as being the relapse, but the relapse actually starts a lot earlier, so way before that that actual use. Um, and and isolation is oftentimes the first thing that that people uh, first indicator towards a relapse. Um, so yeah, so it is a concern. Um, but there's, there's definitely resources. Um, you know, I think a big thing that, that a big thing for me is my heart goes out to the newcomer right now. Um, so for me, you know, as when you reached out to me, Chris, I was thinking, I started thinking, Oh, this will, you know, this is super easy. You know, it's, you know, I got all these people, I get texts multiple times a day about meetings that we're, we're doing or whatever, but that's after five and a half years of, of being connected to a recovery community. Uh, you know, the big thing, the difficult thing I think would be to be a newcomer right now coming in. And what I've heard from just, and this is, you know, anecdotally, this is just what I hear from people, um, is how hard it is to feel really connected, uh, to the community through, especially getting connected to the community starting off through virtual meetings. So what are some of the, what are some of the ways that some of those let's, let's start with uh, maybe some questions that a person may ask themselves to, to discover if they need to seek resources. Like what are some signs? Because in all my experience with friends and family that have gone through substance abuse issues or they're drinking too much or they're using drugs or, or things are getting out of control, it seems gradual. It's not, you know, it's not that big moment. It's, wow, I've had, I've had this behavior this many times. Maybe I have an issue. What are, what are some warning signs that our audience may apply to themselves or the person in their household or family member in this moment that could kind of help them go, maybe I ought to talk to somebody. 
Yeah, so I think that the big thing is um, using in the face of consequences. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it can be something gradual. It can also be, you know, you start you start noticing that, that a family member or a loved one is, you know, is, is distancing themselves emotionally from, from the family. I mean, it can be something that small, um, or I guess it's not small, but something that subtle. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be a DUI or, or consequences in that way. Um, but, but a big thing is when somebody starts experiencing consequences uh, and continues to use in the face of those consequences, um, that's kind of when, when I would say it's, you start looking at it as a problem and maybe uh, talk about um, reaching out for some, some services. Is there like, what are some other warning signs, just uh, uh, not just the distance, but are there some other behaviors that may be problematic? So, of course, if they're using, um, I mean, if they're waking up and using, if they are, if they're, you know, if, if somebody is experiencing, um, you know, uh, like, signs of detox um you know if they are if they have to use or drink um basically in order not to get sick that's a big sign that's a huge sign um you know and that's that's a big thing with uh with both it was, it was really with opioids alcohol um benzodiazepines some of those substances uh, is is really is using in um to the to the extent where when you stop using you are you know you're getting sick that's that's when somebody needs you know medical detox and that's a big one I think that um, other ones I mean if, if if a family member is, is drinking throughout the day that's something I think to look at um, you know I mean I don't want to say everybody that has a drink you know on a Saturday at noon is, you know, how is an alcoholic. That's not what I'm saying. But, uh, but if it's a, if it's something where you're noticing that, that this person is, you know, is choosing to drink or really not choosing, um, once it's, you know, addiction is not really a choice. Once you're an addict, it's, it's not really a choice anymore. Um, but if, if somebody's drinking throughout the day, um, or using, waking up and using, I think that those are huge, huge signals. Um, and with the emotional distance, I was kind of getting it. If you, if you're not, if they're hiding their use, you know, if they are hiding their use, then, then you'll notice them being I, I, generally emotionally, a little bit emotionally distant. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think that those are great kind of tip offs and, how do you have that conversation with a loved one that, that, that maybe they're having a problem because that doesn't always seem to be an easy conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a big thing is, uh, you know, starting off, um, I think before even just approaching, um, approaching the person and, you know, kind of being almost accusatory at that person, I think it's a good good idea to reach out uh, to other people who have experienced um, family members who 
um, who who have used uh, or have who have been who have struggled with substance use disorder. Um, you know, there's family support groups, um, and I think that number one, a family needs to start um, before they even expect uh, their family member to you know, to, to really get the help and change. I think that they need to, to look at some of the support for themselves, um, and then look at their family member as well. Um, some of those support groups, you know, I know overdose lifeline right now has family support groups for free going on. Um, and, and then approaching the, the person, I think, you know, and it's part of, partly it depends on each individual, but, approaching that person and, you know, not being accusatory, you know, not, not saying, Hey, you know, you're ruining, you're ruining my life and you're doing, (laughs) you know, I think not being passive aggressive about it, just being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Approach them in an honest way. Say, Hey, look, this is how this is affecting me. And, and and this is how it is affecting the whole family. Um, You know, would you be open to, maybe getting an assessment, um, you know, we offer free assessments, you know, um, it, it's free to pick up the phone and give us a call. And the good thing is, is that once you pick up the phone and give us a call, there's professionals on the other end of the phone who can kind of take some of the information that, that the family member is giving us and take the information that the, um, that the the person struggling with substance use disorder is giving us and then we can recommend a level of care based on the actual information and and these are people who when we're answering the phone we understand that that there's going to be probably two different you know we're going to get information from two different people uh and 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 we're going to look we're going to kind of dig a little bit deeper than just taking the family member's word and then taking the, the, uh, the other person's word always, you know, right. it's, it's a little bit more complicated than that a lot of times. So I think it's always a good idea to pick up the phone and get and, and give a professional a call. Okay. So if uh, you want to reach out, then their phone number is 1-800-225-4673. Again, that is 1-800-225-4673. Two two five four six seven three, or you can go to their website, fairbankscd.org. Uh, my guest is Eric Totterud, who is a business development associate at Fairbanks. Uh, if there, in our final question here, what is the thing that you see on a daily basis that you wish people understood about the community that you serve? Something that I see on a daily basis, um, You know, something I see on a daily basis that that I want people to understand about people with substance use disorder is that they're not always the homeless person living under the bridge who has a bottle in a uh, in a brown paper bag. You know, this is a population. This these are our friends and family members. You know, who who may be struggling. I think that all too often I meet with people, and um, and I meet with professionals who you know, I know that they have, uh, that they're coming in contact with people that are struggling with substance use disorder. And I, I hate when I meet with somebody and they say, Oh, you know, we don't even see that, that population here. It's, you know, really we're, we, we only see people, you know, kind of white collar people who are, you know, it's like, that's, that's, 
not accurate. You know, the, this disease does not discriminate. You know, it's it's like it's it's almost as uh, you know. I mean, yeah, it adversely does affect certain populations, but you know, really, the person that's struggling could be, you know, the person next door, your or a friend or family member who, you know, isn't necessary, you know, who has a good education, has uh, maybe even still has their job and, you know, still um, is struggling. And I think, I think that something that's um, going to be interesting is seeing in, as we move past this, uh, the amount of people who, you know, have been isolated who are going to be probably using and drinking throughout the day They're working from home or they're, you know, not coming in contact with their employers or their family members. And I think that, that we're going to see a spike um, in people. I think that like Fairbanks, for example, I think we are going to see a spike in people who are going to be coming through our doors looking for help once they get back out and their employer or their family members start seeing them again and start seeing that, hey, they've been, you know, they kind of, they've been using, they've been drinking while they've been at home. I think that, that that's something, um, and that's just my personal opinion um, about that. Well, I hope that uh, if people feel that they have an issue or if they feel a loved one has an issue, that they do go to FairbanksCD.org and get some help. And you know, it's better better to, uh, the, the guardrails are off a little bit on a lot of different issues. And obviously, yeah. this is one place to go to, to help help uh, get better so eric yeah. thank you so and, much for joining we have, those, Go ahead. Uh, we have those virtual just real quick we have the virtual online uh, online iop uh which is like a, an, a virtual group that you know people don't even have to come in to get assessed they can give us a call and do it all over the phone so if you're worried about getting you know about the pandemic um you know and it's something that i know even though i said you know people anecdotally don't feel like they connect as much via, you know, virtual groups, you know, it's, it's really, it's a lot better than, than doing nothing, you yeah, know, or and being alone and being at home. Yeah. Being at home alone and not reaching out. So I just, I know we're wrapping up. I just wanted to kind of plug that real quick because I know that it's something that could help a lot of people. Um, you know, and then there's free virtual, uh, 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 peer-to-peer groups that are put on by the Indiana Addiction Issues Coalition. I can send you any of that information, Chris, and if, if, if any of your listeners are more interested, they can always reach out to me as well. I have a, a long list of, of free and uh, like free resources for people and then also resources within Fairbanks that are really helpful. So any of your listeners can re- always feel free to reach out to me or I can send it over to you. Um, so whatever you want to do with yeah, that. Yeah, we can put that in the show notes so people can go to nowhearthisindy.com and look for this episode and then find that there along with a link to fairbankscd.org and the phone number. Eric, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. If you missed any portion of our program, again, you can go to nowhearthisindy.com and find it there. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please contact Gabby at 317-475-7407 or via the contact page on our website. Thank you for listening, and we will be back again soon next weekend with Now Hear This.
In the span of two years, podcast advertising has become a billion-dollar industry. Why? Changes to social media and search engines aren't getting the same results as they used to. And let's be honest, why would anyone want to financially support them? Plus, the loyal audiences of audio brands have a better return on investment. Need more convincing on that? Look up Edison Research's Infinite Dial. As the longest-running libertarian network, the audience of the We Are Libertarians podcast network have been our partners in growth for almost a decade. We are looking for advertisers that will enhance the lives of our listeners, and we have only six slots available for companies that are looking to grow with us. Volume matters in advertising, and no other libertarian brand can offer you over 40 episodes across 10 shows a month while reaching tens of thousands of people for one easy monthly payment. It is simple. Email me now, Chris Spangle at chrisspangle.com, and let us start supporting your business as you support ours.